Jesus. Our lesson for tonight continues our series on the one word series that we've been doing. We have recently spoken about faith. We've talked about repentance. And tonight's word is confess and what it means to confess. We're going to look at it from two different perspectives and what it really means to us as Christians. First of all, the word confession from a spiritual standpoint is used in two different ways. First of all, in regard to salvation, it is used in the sense of confessing faith in Christ. This is something that we do uh, before we become Christians. It's something that is necessary. Uh, before we obey the gospel, confession of our faith in the presence of other Christians is a must. We think of the Ethiopian eunuch and, and the example that he set forth in Acts chapter 8 and beginning with verse 36. Acts 8 and verse 36 says that now as they went down the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? Then Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So he commanded the chariot to stand still. And both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and he baptized him. And was this a necessary thing? I believe it was. It was necessary for Philip to ascertain whether or not he truly believed Jesus to be the Son of God. And we do that too today. When someone desires to be baptized for the remission of their sins, we ask them this same question. Do you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God? And upon their confession of faith, their confession of belief that Jesus is the Son of God, we then baptize them for the remission of their sins. Though not used in regard to one being baptized, we also understand that Peter confessed his faith in Christ. And we'll look at that in a moment. Uh, but we do see that there are uh, several examples of confession of faith to be found in Scripture. Confession is also required of any Christian who has committed public sin. Uh, it's something that, that we deal with on a case-by-case -case basis. Now, some religions have taken this a little farther than the Scriptures, requiring one to confess specific faults before joining their church or before their salvation. And that's not necessarily uh, taught in Scripture in that regard. But the Bible teaches, however, that Christians as a family should be able to confess their faults or trespasses one to another. And so it's, it's seen in that regard as well. Uh, we also use confession in uh, that way also. Confession is an important step in the Christian's walk with God. And it is important that we have a good understanding of what the Bible teaches on the subject. And so that's what we're going to do with this lesson. Uh, I've broken it down into two main points. We're going to look first of all at what the Bible says about confession of faith and how that regards us as Christians, how it regards uh, not just us becoming Christians, but also uh, regards our life as Christians as well. 
And then we'll also look at uh, confession of transgressions, our trespasses against God, and we'll see what the Bible has to say about those things as well. First of all, in regard to confession of faith, this is known in Scripture as the good confession. I want you to turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 6. Let's read together verses 11 through 16. 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 11. But you, O man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I urge you in the sight of God who gives life to all things and before Christ Jesus who witnessed the good confession before Pontius Pilate that you keep this commandment without spot, blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ's appearing, which he will manifest in his own time. He who is blessed, who is the blessed and only potent the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, dwelling in unapproachable light, whom no man has seen or can see, to whom be honor and everlasting power. Amen. When making the good confession, we are vowing our loyalty of faithfulness to only Him. In Revelation chapter 2 and verse 10 we are told, Do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison, that you may be tested and you will have tribulation ten days. Be faithful until death. And I will give you the crown of life. And of course, uh, Jesus is speaking there to the church of Smyrna, the persecuted church. And he tells them if they remain faithful until death. And I don't believe that's necessarily until the day of their death. But they were a persecuted church. And something else that we understand about them is that there were many who were persecuted and martyred. I think what Jesus is saying there is that they should be faithful even in the face of death. And then they would be rewarded if they were able to stand. And we are promised also reward if we remain faithful to God. Confessing our faith before baptism readies us to stand for our faith in the world. I've often said that those unwilling to make such a confession in the presence of believers, will be unable to withstand the ridicule, the torment, the temptation that is faced in the world. And I do believe that to be the case. It helps us to, to be ready to stand for our faith in the face of trial. Let's look for a moment at what Paul said about this confession in Romans chapter 10. And beginning with verse 5. Romans 10, verse 5. For Moses writes about the righteousness which is of the law. The man who does those things shall live by them. But the righteousness of faith speaks in this way. Do not say in your heart, Who will ascend into heaven? 
that is, to bring Christ down from above. Or who will descend into the abyss, that is, to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth, and in your heart. That is, the word of faith, which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the Scripture says, Whoever believes on Him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon Him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, there are many that will take these verses out of context, especially uh, what is said beginning in verse 9. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. That text alone doesn't tell us what we need to do to be saved. And so it is taken out of context in that regard. Now one who confesses with his mouth faith in Christ and believes in his heart is going to obey the gospel. Uh, what were the, the people on the day of Pentecost told by Peter? Repent, let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. They also had to repent. And they also had to be baptized for the remission of their sins. And it says in verse 10 of Romans 10, For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. In other words, it is made toward salvation. Calling on the name of the Lord is done in obedience of baptism, in which we call on Him to remove our sins from us, according to the word that He has given us. So in regard to our salvation, there are other steps that are necessary. It's more than just belief in the heart and more than just confession. But we also have to include repentance and, of course, baptism for the remission of sins. Peter's confession of Christ as the Son of God is one of the most telling. It's one of the, 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 the most referenced, I guess, as far as confession is made. But in Matthew chapter 16, beginning with verse 13, we read of this confession of Peter. And again, though this is not done in reference to salvation from sins, as we see it often put, it is important for us to make this confession. And so we make this same confession today. Matthew 16 and verse 13, When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, He asked His disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. There were many people who believed Jesus to be someone that He wasn't. They believed him to be one of the prophets, and they, they referenced some of those here uh, in Elijah and Jeremiah, and, and of course of, of John the Baptist, who was preparing the way for Jesus. Some believe that, that he was, was John come back from the dead. And 
in all of this, Jesus wanted to know, who do you say that I am? In verse 15, that's exactly what he asked. Who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter, often the one that spoke up before the others, spoke on behalf of the apostles, I believe. And he said in verse 16, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he commanded his disciples that they should tell no one that he was Jesus the Christ. Peter had the opportunity on two occasions to open the door of salvation. First of all, on the day of Pentecost, in Acts chapter 2, when he opened that door to the Jews in his sermon. And in speaking, whenever they, they asked that question, he told them what they needed to do to be saved. And he had that opportunity once again in regard to the Gentiles in the house of Cornelius. As we look at the confession that Peter made, it was upon this confession. Not upon Peter himself, but upon this confession that Jesus would establish his church. And it is upon our faith in Christ as the Son of the living God that His church stands today. Again, if unwilling to confess faith in Christ as the Son of God, most likely one does not believe that Christ is the Son of God truly. Many believe Christ to be uh, not human, maybe just a, a, a humble prophet, but not the Son of God. Making sure that, that one is baptized with the right motives, we ask of them the same, or similar at least, the same question that Jesus asked his apostles. Do you believe? What makes this confession good? First of all, it is the truth. It is the truth that Jesus is the Son of the living God. Secondly, it, it leads to one's salvation. And that makes it a good confession as well. We confess unto salvation. Going back to Romans 10 and verse 10. And it brings glory and honor to God. It recognizes Him as Lord. As He rightfully deserves. We're also told... To hold fast our confession. In Hebrews 10, beginning with verse 19, 
Hebrews 10 and verse 19. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which He consecrated for us through the veil that is His flesh, and having a, a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for He who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Here we are told to hold fast our confession. Hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And again we're reminded of what is said in Revelation chapter 2 and verse 10. That holding fast our confession leads us to our heavenly reward in God's presence for eternity. In Matthew 10, verses 32 and 33, Jesus said these words, Therefore, whoever confesses me before men, him I will also confess before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, him I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. We confess our faith in the way that we live. Excuse me, in our speech, and in everything that we do, we confess that we believe Christ to be the Son of God. But he who denies, he who denies Christ in the day of testing, will be denied a home in heaven in the presence of God. And finally, we look at our confession of transgression. And as I mentioned before, there are many that take this to um, mean something that it doesn't as far as Scripture is concerned. But it is important that when we transgress God's Word, when we do something wrong, that we admit to it, that we confess those faults before God and before those uh, in whom we need to confess. We look at David, for instance. In 2 Samuel chapters 11 and 12, David, when faced with his sin, and we know what his sin was, we know that he had committed the sin of adultery. He had not only committed the sin of adultery, but he tried to hide it. And so he had Uriah placed on the front line of battle because he wouldn't do as David wanted him to do, to go home to his wife. And he had him placed on the front line of battle so that he would die, and he did. And in essence, David was really also guilty of murder. And when Nathan brings that sin before him, when he's faced with his sin, we see that David had to confess his sin before God. He had wronged God, and so he had to confess it before God in order to be fully repentant. It was important that he had not acknowledge his sin before he could obtain forgiveness, and he did. Psalm 51 is to believe to be a prayer, the prayer that is prayed in regard to this sin. 
And in Psalm 51, and beginning with verse 1, speaking to God, he says, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned, and done this evil in your sight, that you may be found just when you speak, and blameless when you judge. He, he had to confess that he was the one that was in the wrong. It wasn't anything that God had done. It was David. And he continues in verse 5, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. Not that he bore the guilt of his mother, but that as a human being, that's something that we are prone to. In verse 6, Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part you will make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me hear joy and gladness, that the bones you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins, and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence. Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and uphold me by your generous spirit. Then I will teach the transgressors your ways, and sinners shall be converted to you. In Proverbs 28 and verses 10 through 14 we read this, Whoever causes the upright to go astray in an evil way, he himself will fall into his own pit. But the blameless will inherit good. The rich man is wise in his own eyes, but the poor who has understanding searches him out when the righteous rejoice. There is great glory. But when the wicked arise, men hide themselves. He who covers his sins will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. Happy is the man who is always reverent, but he who hardens his heart will fall into calamity. Again, it is important that we recognize when we have sinned, that we acknowledge that before God, that we bring it before Him and that we ask for forgiveness. And only then can we be forgiven of our wrongs against God. Instead of confessing their faults, there are other ways that, that many will, will try to deal with their sin. Some will try to deny their wrongdoing completely. I didn't do anything wrong or, or I didn't do what you think I did. Children are especially bad about trying to deny what they have done. I see it often. Did you do that? And I may have seen them do it. No, I didn't do it. Denial. Some will blame others for their mistakes. We look at Adam and Eve. They sinned. They transgressed God by partaking of the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And what happened when God confronted them with their sin? Adam said, Eve made me do it. It's this woman that you gave me. Eve said, well, the serpent made me do it. They tried to place blame. But neither was guilty themselves, were they? Some will try to justify their actions as if they had no choice or, 
Or some will say, well, it's just who I am. That's just the way that I'm made. Didn't have a choice. Cannot justify sin before God. As a part of the family of God, we are encouraged to confess our trespasses to one another. In James chapter 5, and verses 15 through 18, And the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be fervent, or he will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses to one another, and pray for one another, that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Uh, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Although it doesn't specifically tell us how we are to confess these things, We often look at it from a standpoint of how the sin was committed and who the sin was committed against. When someone commits a a public sin, something that is seen by by many outside of the church, they have brought shame and reproach upon the church, and so it is important that they confess that sin in a public manner before the congregation and ask for forgiveness. Some sins are are more of a a private nature and those sins can be confessed privately if it's between one or two individuals. uh, We can go to those one or two individuals and confess to them that we have have done wrong and ask them for forgiveness and of course ask God for forgiveness as well. One of the most important things in regard to our confession is that we include prayer. Prayer. Prayer in regard to sin and confession is a must. It's only when one recognizes and confesses his sin to God that he may truly be forgiven. Confession is not just an important step in the plan of salvation, although it is very important that we take that step before we are baptized for the remission of our sins. It's important for those who are performing this baptism, for lack of a better word. Uh, It's important for them to know that the individual truly believes and is willing to confess that Christ is the Son of God, that they truly have that faith. But it's also important in regard to our life as Christians that that we confess God in the way that we live and the way that, that we act, that we confess our faith before others. And it's also important for us to recognize when we have done wrong, to not only acknowledge it, but to ask for forgiveness, especially of God, but from those who we have wronged as well. Are you a Christian? Are you a child of God tonight? Have you obeyed the gospel? Have you, by faith, repented of your sins, confessed your faith in Christ, and been baptized for the remission of your sins? If not, we'll be glad to help you take that step tonight. Maybe it is that you need to come back.
Maybe you recognize sin in your life and, and you need to return to your right relationship with God. Maybe you need to confess fault before the congregation. Maybe you, you just need prayer on your behalf. But whatever your need may be tonight, if you have any need, if there is any way that we can help you, we give you the opportunity as together we stand and as we sing the song of invitation.